You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Well, I'm so glad you made it today as we continue our series, 21 Days of Prayer. And our theme for this series is Dangerous Prayers. Now, why dangerous prayers? Well, we're talking about the kind of prayers that can get us out of our comfort zone, the kind of prayers that have the potential to to actually change our lives. Prayers like, search me, O God. How many of you remember that prayer from week one? Search me, O God. Know my anxious thoughts, right? See if there's any offensive way in me. That's a prayer that can change your life. In week two, Pastor Dave, he, he preached another dangerous prayer, speak to me. Speak for your servant is listening. God, I want, to, I want to hear everything that you have to say to me. Last week, Pastor Paul was here, and he taught us a prayer. God, teach me to rest. There's a prayer that can change your life. God, deliver me from my workaholic self and teach me to just rest in who you are. Today, I want to lead you in a prayer that's anything but safe. And here it is. God, restore my passion. Come on, somebody say Passion. God, restore my passion. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever lost your passion before? Let's just be honest in church. Have you ever lost your passion before? Some of you, you used to be passionate about your career and your job. Come on, you were one of those people. You would wake up early in the morning. You would get some coffee in you. You couldn't wait to get to the office and take on the day, baby. And now, now you can barely get out of bed. You're hitting snooze four, five, six times. Come on, walking like the living dead to your car. You don't want to commute to work. You don't want to be there. Those of you who work at home, you can barely even get your sweatpants on before you get on that Zoom call. You lost your passion. Come on, some of you used to be passionate about your sports team. Come on, where are the sports fanatics at in the house? You used to watch all the games, wear all the gear. You would yell at the TV. If the refs got the wrong call, you would let them hear it. And then your team started losing. And after a few losing seasons, you've lost your passion. Come on, Jets fans, where you at this morning? We know. I'm always picking on the Jets fans because we pray for you. It's hard. We know. It's not easy. (laughs) It's not easy. Come on, married people. Come on, married people. Can we just have a moment in church today? Can we just admit, married people, that sometimes we lose the passion? Like, we don't always feel in love, do we? We feel a lot of things. Sometimes we feel like killing each other, but we don't always feel in love. Sometimes the passion goes. Sometimes we lose our passion. And like anything else in life, we can lose our spiritual passion. In fact, I want to show you a scripture where a group of Christians lost their passion. Uh, In fact, it's the Ephesian church in the book of Revelation. And this is the the very same Ephesians that have a book of the Bible named after them in the New Testament. In in the book of Ephesians, we find that this is exactly what happened uh, to to the Ephesian church, excuse me, in the book of Revelation. Let me just set this up for you, okay? Let me give you a little context. The apostle John, he's exiled on this, this island of Patmos in the Aegean Sea off the coast of Greece. And Jesus appears to him, and he has this revelation. He has this vision of Jesus Christ himself, and Jesus begins speaking to him, and he tells John to write seven letters to the seven churches in the province of Asia, and we're going to look at what Jesus tells John to write to the Ephesians, to the church at Ephesus. So let's look at this, Revelation chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. These are the words of Jesus Christ himself. I know your deeds, your hard work, 
in your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Now, look at verse 4. Yet, I hold this against you, you have forsaken the love you had at first. You've done some good work. In some ways, you've been, been faithful. But I, I got this one complaint with you. Yet I, I hold this one thing against you. You've forsaken the love you had at first. The New American Standard Version of verse 4 puts it this way. You have left your first love. You've lost your passion. You, you've lost your passion for me and, and for each other. You see, the Ephesian church, they, they had been faithful in some ways. They had been faithful in their work. They hadn't compromised the truth. But they had been through some hard times. They had been through persecution. They had, had dealt with false teachers infiltrating their, their ranks. And in the midst of these difficult times, their original love, the love that they exuded for each other and for God, the love that we read about that the Apostle Paul commends them for in the book of Ephesians, that love had grown cold. They had lost their spiritual passion. And maybe some of you feel that way this morning. It happens to us, doesn't it? Maybe some of you, you would say you, you used to feel a sense of God's presence in your life, like you used to feel like God was, was so, so close to you and that he was with you throughout the day. Maybe some of you would say, Pastor Jeremy, I used, I used to love to, to spend time in God's word just to open up my Bible and hear God's voice. I used to love to spend time in, in prayer. I, I used to love being in God's presence. I couldn't wait to be in church. And I used to love to put worship music on uh, around the house. I used to feel so, so close to God. But if you're honest with yourself today, you don't feel that way. In fact, if you're really honest, you would say, I feel a little bit spiritually apathetic. God doesn't feel close. He, he feels far away, and, and it's difficult to find time to, to spend with him. And, and if I'm really honest, what really scares me is I don't miss it as much as I used to. I'm finding it hard to even work up the desire and the appetite to want to wanna rekindle my relationship with God. Like, I, I've lost my spiritual passion. And how does this happen to us? Why, why does this happen to us? Well, I, I don't have all the answers, but here, here are a few ideas. We get really busy. We get distracted. You know, we have work to do and really important jobs, and, and uh, sometimes God just loses the, the place of priority in our lives. Sometimes we experience hurt and disappointment, even disappointment with, with God, and maybe God doesn't answer a prayer request or do something the way we thought he would, and, and so we end up feeling like he's not as close to us. Sometimes we, we give in to temptation and, and we sin and we kind of feel like there's this barrier between us and God. Sometimes we just get undisciplined and we ne neglect spiritual habits. It's the same thing as taking care of yourself physically, right? If you neglect the habits of taking care of yourself physically, like eating well and exercising, what happens? You get the results of that. The same thing happens to us spiritually. Sometimes we just get tired. Sometimes we go through a global pandemic that interrupts our regular rhythms of attending church, and it kind of throws us off, and we kind of lose the priority of being in God's house. Just theoretically, sometimes that happens. I know there's nobody in here that, that threw you off a little bit. I know there's nobody watching online that you got out of sync a little bit with your relationship with God when, when COVID hit. Come on, at some point in time, you got to stop blaming things on COVID, right? Are you with me? Seems like the convenient excuse these days. It's COVID. <laughs> Why didn't you leave the toilet seat down? It's COVID. Why didn't you cut the grass? It's COVID. Why are you late for work? COVID. <laughs> you know, I go through times as well where I feel like I've, I've lost my spiritual passion. I've told this story before, but back in 2018, 
I went to Israel for a, a, a study tour. I went to the Holy Land for a study tour. And it wasn't just a sightseeing trip. Like, we had guides, and uh, we went to all the major sites, and they would lecture, and we would take notes. And it was pretty intense. I, I learned a whole lot. But one of the things that, that stuck with me as we were learning about the Israelites and, and uh, the early church and the places where they lived and, and did life and walking in the footsteps of Jesus, one of the things that I took away from that, that trip was how passionate people were for God. You know, everywhere we went, we heard stories about people who, who were willingly gave their lives for what they believed, gave their lives for the faith. We're not talking about people whose lives were compartmentalized. I have my spiritual life over here. I have my financial life over here. And I have my, my uh, social life over here and my sex life over here and, and this and that. No, no, it was like everything belonged to God. People were passionate for God, often to the point that they gave their, their whole lives away. And it challenged me. It challenged me, man. I realized I had drifted, and I remember going to the, the, the Western Wall. It's called the, the Wailing Wall. It's the holiest place in all of Judaism. It's the remaining wall of the Temple Mount where the Jews go to pray and put like little prayers in the cracks of the stones. And I remember going to, to the wall and praying, God, restore my passion. God, restore my passion. God, I've drifted from you. What do you do when you realize that you've lost your spiritual passion? You've left your first Love. Well, let's go back to our text for just a moment, and let's look at what Jesus goes on to say to the church of Ephesus, to the Ephesians, and maybe this will help us today. Revelation chapter 2, verse 5, Jesus said this, consider how far you've fallen, repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Now, what does that mean? Well, earlier in Revelation, we find out what the symbolism is. Each of the lampstands represented the different churches in Asia. Essentially, what Jesus is saying, if things don't change, if you don't get back to your first love, there might not even be a church in Ephesus anymore. It might completely disappear. So what do you do? When you've lost your spiritual passion, what do you do? Let me give you some thoughts today that may help you reclaim it. Here's the first one. Number one, remember. Come on, everybody say, remember. Turn to somebody and tell them, remember. What do you do when you've lost your spiritual passion? You got to remember. Revelation 2 verse 5 from the New American Standard Version puts it this way. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen. You got to remember just how far you've fallen from where you used to be in your relationship with God, just how close you used to be to him, just how passionate you used to be in your relationship with God. You got to remember what it was like and how far you've drifted from that. Sometimes the first thing you got to do to snap out of your spiritual apathy and get your passion back is you got to remember Come on, let me go back to the married people today and pick on you and just have fun for just a minute, okay? Is it okay if we have fun in church? This is why, married people, we need to remember, this is why we have anniversaries. We have a date on the calendar to remind us, right? Because in the busyness of life and work and chores and taking care of a home and caring for kids and sports and this and that, sometimes we forget why we got married in the first place. And we need a date on the calendar to remind us of what we committed ourselves to, right? For better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health. Like I vowed to love you, to serve you, to put you first and care for you. And there's a date on the calendar every year to remind you. Come on, how many of you know we need that? I was getting quiet in here this morning. I thought you guys would help me. Last uh, September, Amy and I, our anniversary is in September, I took out our wedding album. I hadn't looked at our pictures in a long time, and, and uh, I dusted off the wedding album, and we have a picture for you there. And uh, yeah, that seems like forever ago. We were a lot younger back then before we uh, planted a church and began aging rapidly. 
before Amy had three kids, all these three kids, they came from her. It was her fault. I was there all three times. I saw them. They came out of her. <laughs> but I uh, started looking through our, our wedding album and looking at our, our pictures, and, and it was so good because it had been a while. You know, we used to have a tradition that we would watch our, our wedding video every year back when we actually had DVD players in our house. Now we stream everything. I have to figure out, how do I stream my wedding video? So I was looking through our pictures, you know, and it was so good for me because it just began to warm my heart and just take me back to when Amy and I first fell in love and our wedding day and my beautiful bride. And it was good because I needed to remember because, come on, married people, over time, it's so easy to focus on all the things about your spouse that drive you nuts. Can I just share a few with you in the Ziegler house for fun? You know what drives Amy crazy? When I take out the garbage. Now, I've been on garbage for, for, for years now. I've been on garbage duty for about 19 years. And every now and then, I like to take out the garbage and just make a beeline right to the garbage can and put the garbage away before I put a liner back in the garbage can. And Amy doesn't like that. And it seems like, now I'm coming back to put a liner in, but in like the 10 seconds that I step away from the garbage, Amy always opens it and dumps something in there. And then she's like, why didn't you put a liner in the garbage can? She starts screaming at me. Drives me crazy. But I'll swap you back one. You know what drives me crazy with her? When she clutters up a closet, I'm telling you, that woman can fit more things in a closet than I ever thought was humanly possible. I open a closet sometime, and I start, like, getting claustrophobic. I got to breathe into a bag. I'm like, I can't even breathe in here, woman. Like, what are you? My God. But it's so easy to remember all the things that drive each other crazy, you know? But, but here's the thing. I got to remember. I need to remember why I fell in love with her in the first place. Because here's the truth. Besides Jesus, Amy is the best thing that ever happened to me. Sometimes I just forget. And we need to remember now, for those of you who aren't married, maybe you need to remember why you got into that career. Maybe you need to remember why you got into that hobby, that interest, why you signed up for that graduate program in, in the first place. Can I tell you something that we all need to remember to snap out of our spiritual apathy? You need to remember the goodness of God. Come on, God's love, his grace, his mercy, his faithfulness in your life. I love that we sang today, all my life, you have been faithful. Your goodness is running after me. Come on, when I'm singing a song like that, I'm recounting the faithfulness of God in my life. I'm thinking about seasons in my life when God showed up. When he was faithful, you got to remember. You got to remember what it was like when you first heard the good news and believe. When you first heard the good news that God loved you and he accepted you just as you are in your sins, in your brokenness, despite your past, he loved you and he accepted you. And when you first believed that, it changed your life. You got to remember. You got to remember. Every now and then, I, uh, I have a church plant journal that I kept years ago when we were in the early stages of starting our church. My dad would tell me, son, you got to write these things down. You know, we were experiencing just like the miraculous provision of God. And he'd say, son, you need, to, you need to write these things down before you forget. And I'm so glad he said that to me because I started typing up a little bit of a log. And, and every now and then when I need to be encouraged, come on, every now and then when my faith is running a little bit low, every now and then when things feel a little bit stale, when they feel like routine, I open up that church plant journal and I begin to read about the goodness of God, how he provided for us, how he put people in our lives, how he provided finances, how he opened doors. Come on, I need to remember the goodness of God in my life. And it stirs up my passion. It stirs up my faith. It stirs up my love for him. Come on, you got to remember. You got to remember. What do you do when you lose your passion for God? What do you do when you've lost your spiritual passion? Number two, you got to repent. Come on, turn to somebody and say, repent. You got to repent. Got to repent. Look at this. Revelation chapter two, verse five says this, the words of Jesus, consider how far you've fallen. Repent. Now I know repent Sounds like a really old school 
term from like a really old-fashioned church. You got to repent. Turn before you burn in hell. I know, it seems like one of those words. It's not a word that we're used to using, right? But what does this actually mean? What does this actually mean? Well, let me give you a few ideas. First of all, to repent is to acknowledge. It's to acknowledge something, right? It's to acknowledge that you've lost your spiritual passion. You know, they said that the first step to recovery is to get out of denial. Hello? I'm not a clinical psychologist, but it's been said, right? The first step to recovery is you got to get out of denial. You have to acknowledge that you have a problem. And so repentance is, it's acknowledgement. And so maybe acknowledging for you could come in the form of a simple apology. God, I, I, I acknowledge and, and I apologize that I've, I've lost my passion, that I, I've, I've drifted from you, that I don't feel as close to you as I used to. God, I'm sorry for not putting you first in, in my life. God, I'm sorry for not making you a priority. God, God, I'm sorry that I forgot, of all, I forgot all the good things you've done for me. God, I forgot your faithfulness. I forgot your, your provision. I forgot that you are the one who sustained me. I got so focused on this. I got so distracted by that. But God, I'm coming, I'm coming back to you. And, and I acknowledge that I've lost my spiritual passion. And I've lost my love for you. That's, that's where it starts. It's an acknowledgement. But then there's another uh, aspect of repentance. Because it also means turning back to God. Look at the New Living Translation version of Revelation 2.5. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me. Turn back to me. See, the biblical concept of repentance is captured in the Hebrew word teshuva. Teshuva. Come on, everybody say that with me. Teshuva. It's a fun word. Let's be Hebrew scholars. Teshuva. Teshuva means to, to return. It's a little word picture. This is the word for repentance in Hebrew, and it's literally a word picture of turning back to God. It's not enough just to acknowledge. It's not just enough to say, I'm sorry, but it's turning back to God. God, I'm turning back to you. Come on, we all know somebody who apologizes but never changes. Anybody with me? How many of you have ever known somebody who makes apologies but they never change so their apologies come across as being really empty? That don't elbow the person next to you. That's not nice, Okay. But we all know somebody like that, right? They make apologies to us, but because they never change, their apologies don't come across as really, really sincere or, or genuine because we all know that a true apology should be marked by some change, some change in the way we behave. Now, if we know that about human relationships, how much more is that true about our relationship between us and God? That a sincere apology, true repentance should be marked by, by life change. That, that's what this is about. True repentance is marked by change, by a turning back to God. Now listen to me. God will do his part. God is gracious. God is loving. He will meet you more than halfway. But every now and then, you got to take a step toward him. you got to do something to activate your faith. you got to vote with your feet. you got to do something to go after him. And so maybe for you, that looks like coming on board for this next week with this 21 days of prayer and saying, I'm really going to give this prayer thing a shot. Like, I'm really going to block this out, prioritize this. If nothing else, I'm going to pray through the Lord's Prayer every day. I'm going to put some worship music on. I'm going to listen to the Bible app while I'm on my commute, while I'm doing whatever I'm doing. God, I'm going to carve out some room for you. I'm taking a step towards you. God, I'm going to be at worship night this Thursday, and I'm clearing my calendar because I, I recognize I need to prioritize your presence in my life. You've got to take a step toward him. You've got to activate your faith. When I think about this, I think about one of Jesus' most famous parables, the parable of the prodigal son, if you remember it. 
I'll just kind of refresh your memory. Here's the story. I'm going to summarize it for you. A father has two sons, and the younger son comes to the father and says, give me my inheritance. Now, this was unheard of because essentially what he was saying to his father is, I wish you were dead so I could have the money to spend now. This would have never been granted in an ancient culture, but the father gives him his inheritance, and Jesus goes on to tell us that, that the prodigal son ran away from home, and the scripture says he spent it in riotous living, riotous living. We're talking about partying, prostitutes, everything you would think of when it comes to riotous living. And when the money ran out, the good times ran out, the parties ran out, and this dude was in trouble, and he ended up getting a job slopping the hogs, feeding the pigs, which in a Jewish culture was completely detestable. This was not kosher. This was not clean. But he has this moment. The prodigal son has this moment while he's feeding the pigs. Here's what the scripture says. But when he came to his senses... Come on, when he came to his senses, when he snapped out of it, he realized, even my father's servants have it better than this. I'm going to go back home. I'm not even worthy to be called a son. If I can just go back home and be a slave or a servant, anything's better than what I'm doing right now. But do you see it? That was the moment of repentance. That was the teshuva moment. He, he didn't just feel sorry for himself. He didn't just feel sorry for what he did. He snapped out of it. He got his butt up and he went back home. And here's what the scripture says. Before he could even get home, his father, who saw him from a distance when he was a long way off, his father ran out to meet him. His father ran out to meet him, but it started with him turning back home. Come on, church. If you realize today that you've drifted in your heart, it's time to turn back. It's time to acknowledge it, and it's time to come back home. And I've got good news for you. He's the loving, gracious, heavenly father who runs out to meet you. And he's not going to guilt trip you like people do. He's not going to remind you of all the ways you messed up and hold it over your head and make you jump through a bunch of hoops. He's the loving heavenly father who's going to run out to meet you by his grace. But you got to repent. You got to acknowledge and turn back to him. What do you do when you've lost your spiritual passion, when you wake up and realize you've left your first love? How do you get it back? Number three, you got to do the first things. Come on, everybody say first things you got to do the first things. Revelation 2.5, repent and do the things you did at first. Do the first things. Do the things you did at first. Let me ask you this. Do you remember how you did things at first when you had passion? Do you remember how you did things at first when, when, when you had passion, when you first started that job, when you first started that career, how you did things at first? Come on, teachers. You were going to inspire those kids. You were going to change minds. You were going to be the best teacher they ever had. You were going to change those kids' lives. Come on, you had passion. You had passion. Where are the medical workers, the medical professionals, doctors and nurses in the house? Come on, when you first started that job, you were going to put the care back in health care. You were going to put people before the system. You were going to be the best doctor, the best nurse. You were going to help heal people. You had, you had passion. Come on, some of you people in the corporate world, Business people, finance people, you were going to make a difference on the job, weren't you? You were going to do things ethically, professionally. You were going to be the best person that company ever hired. I'm going to show them I'm the best thing that ever happened to this company. You had passion back then. You did things with with passion. Do you remember how you treated that new car when you first got it? (laughs) You babied that car, didn't you? You washed it. You vacuumed it on the inside. You hung a little air freshener in there, new car scent in the car, you know. You didn't let a McDonald's French fry sit on the floor for six months like you do now. You took good care of it. Are you with me? Come on. Come on, married people. One more time with you married people today. Do you remember how you treated your spouse when you first fell in love? 
Come on, every song on the radio, every love song was about them. You thought about them all day long. You planned little extravagant dates for them. You bought thoughtful gifts for them. Come on, you put so much time and effort when you were in love. You would do whatever it took. Come on. I remember when Amy and I first fell in love. Man, we used to talk on the phone for hours. She can barely get my attention right now with playoff season. It's playoff weekend. She's trying to talk to me. I'm like, yes, dear. I'm not even hearing her, right? She's trying to talk to me about the football games. But back then, we used to talk on the phone for hours. And we couldn't wait till after 8 o'clock to have unlimited minutes. Can I get an amen? Somebody. We got some millennials in the house. I don't even know about unlimited minutes. But back then, baby, after 8 o'clock, we could talk all night long. We would be on the phone just talking about anything, and I don't even know what we were talking about, anything and everything. And when we ran out of things to talk about, we would just listen to each other breathe. (sighs) Baby, I love you so much. (sighs) Come on, it was good. (laughs) It was good because we were in love. You know, side note, married people, this is why you still have to have a date night, right? You have to have a dinner because you got to go back and do the things you did at first. Husbands, if you'll do the things you did for her at first, maybe she'll do the things she did for you at first. I'm just saying. And that's exactly what I mean. Some of y'all need to find Song of Solomon in the Bible. I'm just saying. Downright scriptural. Okay? This is the word of God today, people. I'm preaching. And all the husbands said, amen, somebody. But let me ask you this question this morning. Do you remember the things you did when you first fell in love with Jesus? Come on, do you remember what it was like? In your first place, you trust in him. When you were first overwhelmed by his love, when you were first overwhelmed by his grace, by the story, by the truth of what he did for you. Do you remember what prayer was like? Was it forced? Wasn't an effort? Didn't feel like something you had to do? You just wanted to talk to God all day. You wanted to have a relationship with him. Do you remember what reading your Bible was like back then? You couldn't wait to open God's word because you wanted to learn. You wanted to grow. You had a passion to hear his voice, to come to church, man. Let me in every time the doors are open. I want to be in the presence of God. I want to be around other believers. I need other believers. You fell in love with him like I fell in love with him. I want to talk to you because you know him. What do you know about him? Teach me. You had passion. Getting you to serve, that wasn't obligated. Serve? You mean I get to serve? I, I can do something to give back. I can take care of the kids. I can help do something at church. Please let me do something because of what God did for me. He saved me. Give, sure. I'll give something in the offering. What do you want from me? Tithe, I can do that. He had a passion for God. Wanted to know him. Wanted to walk with him. Wanted to hear his voice in your life. And it showed by the things you did. Come on. Here's what, here's what Jesus is saying to his church. If you want to rekindle your passion, you got to go back and do the things you did at first. He said to the church of Ephesians, you, you were a passionate church. When Paul first brought you the gospel, you believed it. And you exuded love for me and for each other. And somewhere in the course of things, you've been going through the motions. You've been doing the work. But I have this one thing with you. I got this one complaint with you. Like you, you lost your first love. Something on the inside of you changed. Your love, love has grown cold. He, he might sit there and say, sure, you go to church every now and then. Sure, you throw something in the offering every now and then. Sure, you use little Christian slogans every now and then. But, but I got this one thing for you. Like you, you've lost your passion. You've lost your spiritual passion to love me, to serve me, to walk with me. Let me tell you, when I think about the first things, when I think about first committing my life to Jesus, I think about when I was 16 years old. Committing my life to Jesus. You know, I grew up in a Christian home. My dad's a pastor. But it wasn't until the summer between my junior and senior year that I really committed my life to Christ for myself. And when I placed my faith in Jesus, when I surrendered my life to him, when I committed my life to him, 
I knew in that moment I, I felt called to ministry. And people, because people ask me, so now, when, when did you feel called to ministry? And for me, it was literally the moment, the moment I committed my life to Jesus because it was a sense of, God, I want to give my whole life back to you. And I didn't know as a teenager what that was going to look like, you know. I didn't know I was going to go to Bible college or seminary or take my first steps in ministry. I sure had no idea that one day I was going to plant a church in, in New York. But all I knew is I had this sense, God, I want to give everything I have back to you. I want to give my life back to you. And now, 26 years later, you know, leading a church and walking with God all these years and going through the grind of caring for people and administering the church and the ministries and all that we have to do day in and day out. Every now and then I recognize in myself that I've drifted a little bit, that, that my spiritual passion has waned a little bit. And here's what I find myself doing. I find myself saying, God, take me back to that place when I was 16 years old. God, take me back to that place when all I wanted to do was give my whole life back to you. I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't know what it was going to look like, but God, I wanted to give everything back to you because I was overwhelmed by your love. God, restore my passion. God, give me my passion for you back. I've been in a season like that lately, but these 21 days of prayer, God, restore my passion. Let me tell you, church, it's a dangerous prayer to pray, God, restore my passion. It's a prayer that can change your life. You start praying, God, restore my, my passion. You may have to deal with some things that you haven't dealt with. <laughs> you may have to deal with some, some hurts and some bitterness, some things that you've been carrying around. You may have to deal with some unconfessed sin. There may be some things in your life that, that have to change that you've been avoiding. There may be some idols in your life that you have to acknowledge. There may be somebody that you need to forgive. You might have to have some, some difficult conversations. Maybe you need to ask somebody to, to forgive you. Let me tell you this, if, if you ask God to restore your passion, be ready. God might give you a burden for something or someone. Come on, God may give you a, a, a broken heart. How many of you know if you fall in love with God, you end up loving what he loves, and God loves broken humanity? Don't be surprised if you ask God to, to, to give you a passion for him, that he doesn't end up giving you a passion for people around you who need him, because that's his heart. And let me just tell you, there's no other way to live. Come on, there's nothing like living for God with a fresh passion. There's nothing like having a relationship with God with a fresh passion. There's nothing like walking with God with a fresh passion, serving him, giving, praying with a fresh passion. And every now and then we drift. Every now and then our love runs a little bit cold. It happens to all of us. What do we do? We wake up and we remember just how far we've fallen. We confess, we acknowledge it, and we turn back to him. We do the things we did at first. If that's you today, come on, it's time to come back home. And God is welcoming you and me with open arms today. Amen. Come on, why don't you stand with me this morning? We're going to pray this prayer. Stand with me this morning. I'm going to lead you in praying this prayer. God, restore my passion. Just bow your head. Close your eyes. Come on, let's have a moment between us and God between us and the Holy Spirit. Maybe you want to lift your hands today just as a sign of surrender. There's nothing weird about that. It's just a, sim a simple sign of saying, God, I'm, I'm open to you. I'm open. I'm, I'm lifting my hands and surrender to you. Just bow your head for just a moment. Come on, that's our prayer today, God. That's our prayer today. Maybe you want to pray with me. God, restore my passion. Come on, somebody needs to pray that today. God, restore my passion. God, help me to, re to, to remember, God, Help me to remember where I was when I first found you, when you first found me, when I first believed, when I first trusted you, when I first heard the gospel, the good news that you love me just as I am. God, help us to remember. Lord, today we repent. We acknowledge today. We acknowledge that we've drifted. We acknowledge, God, that we've, we've lost our first love. But God, today we turn back to you. Come on, we turn back to you. Somebody needs to pray that today. God, I turn back to you today. 
And God, we thank you that you receive us. We ask you to help us to do the things that we did at first. God, restore my passion. May we never be the same, God. May we love you with all of our hearts, our souls, our mind, and our strength. And may we love the people you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. And as we're continuing to pray, I want to just pray for the person today would say, Pastor Jeremy, I I want exactly what you're describing. Like, I want to know God that way. I would love to have a relationship with God that way, and and yet I feel so far away from him, and and I don't even know how to pray for God to restore my passion because I don't even know where to start. I feel so far away from God. I've never even had that that kind of relationship with him. Come on, if that's you today, I've got good news for you today. You're just like every one of us in the story of the prodigal son. You're the person who needs to come back home, who needs to turn to God, and I've got good news for you. As you turn to him. He's the loving heavenly father who runs out to meet you today. He accepts you as you are in your situation with your need, with your sin. And it starts by turning back to him today. So would you pray this prayer with me today? Jesus, I turn to you. Come on, somebody needs to pray that prayer today for the first time, for the hundredth time. Jesus, I turn back to you today. I, I repent. I acknowledge I'm a sinner that I've sinned. I turn from my sins. Just pray it with me. I turn from my sins and I turn to you. I place my faith in you. I believe you are the Son of God. That you are who you said you are. That you live for me, that you died for me, that you resurrected for me. Pray this with me, and I turn to you today. I trust in you as my Savior. I give my life to you. Father, I bless every person who prayed that prayer today for the first time, for the hundredth time, to commit their heart to you. God, we thank you that you are the loving Heavenly Father, who welcomes us home today. We say, God, restore our passion. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.